This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 716, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners like you. Father of mine, tell me where have you been? You know I just closed my eyes, my whole world is up here. Father of mine, take me back to the day. Yeah, when I was still your golden boy, back before you went away. I remember blue skies walking the block. I love the 
Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 716. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Josh has got a train to catch. <laughs> I had this canker sore in my tongue all week, and it was making me slur my words. And I was in my office at work, so I just sounded drunk all the time. Just to try to, well, the thing is, sorry. <laughs> Josh hits the road and just starts boozing it up at lunch. I did. I had one drink last night. And in 40 seconds, I was like, ooh. And the girl I was like, really? I was like, I know. I'm such a lightweight. <laughs> anyway, we are a fanboy. We have different kinds of drinking problems. Just, right. Yeah. It's a it's a problem. It's we, uh, every week we read our. <laughs> it's a problem. I don't have a drink right now. <laughs> Dad. Uh, <laughs> every week we read our stack of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week. For some reason, comics don't come out in big weeks anymore. Yeah, what happened? This is this was a fifth week, but as you said earlier this week, Josh, every week has been a fifth week this month. Where did all the comics go? I don't know how the shops feel about it, but I feel great. <laughs> It's, it's great. There was that one forty book week while we were on break, and then every week since it's been a tiny week. It's been so yeah. strange. It's been great. I've been able to catch up. It hasn't been stressful. We will talk about the pick of the week. We will talk about other books from the week, all four of them. Uh, the patron picks some listener me- email if we have time, uh, and it'll be it'll be a good time. It is we endeavor to be entertaining to you. Hopefully, as you can tell by the way I deliver. We endeavor. I mean, that's not that's not a guarantee. We guaranteed to try. Eh. It's the American way. That's all. We'll give it a shot. Good old American try. That's it. I'm going to promise you anything. It's not no, writing. No, no, no. Your spoiler warning is that there may be spoilers. We're going to talk about what happens in the books. You haven't read them. That's your own problem. Get on it. Come back when you're ready. Connor, you had the pick. I did. Criminal number 12 from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips and Jacob Phillips was the pick of the week. I read this very early in my stack, and I, and I was like, well, that's going to be real hard to beat. <laughs> it was the uh, final issue of this story, this volume of Criminal. Brubaker said in the back that this was the longest they've done Criminal in a volume. I guess it's got to be. I didn't look it up, but I, I guess this is the first time Criminal's reached 12 issues. Is that right? I mean, I, I never really paid attention. I didn't either, but I, I just it was interesting. And this was the eight-part Cruel Summer storyline that takes us back in the past with the uh, Lawless family and the end of their caper. And then the last issue, Teague, who is the father of... He's the father of... We do this Ricky. Every, every goddamn time. Ricky. But, but who's, the, who's the first lawless from the very first criminal story? Wasn't that Teague? No. We didn't meet Teague till much later. He was always talked about. Oh. Uh, I don't remember. Either way, he's sort of the patriarch of this criminal family. Sure. He's got the sexy wild girlfriend who's leading him astray after he tried not wholeheartedly to maybe clean up his act. In the last issue, we had their score, their big score, their final score before they go off and live on the beach. And I love... I love final score stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of that issue, they, they pulled off the heist, and the cliffhanger was that they get back to their house, and someone blasts Teague in the chest with a shotgun, and that was the cliffhanger. And mm-hmm. uh, We opened this issue with him having survived because it was only rock salt. He's badly hurt, but he's not dead. And we find out that the man who shot him was the private investigator from the very beginning of this story who's been searching for the girlfriend. Then he shows up, and there's a little bit of subtle commentary about the good guy, the white knight. Mm-hmm. And it all goes badly for basically every, every person involved with the story. No one comes out of this story at, by the end of it with things being okay. That's about right. Some of them dead, a good portion of them dead, and the ones who aren't dead are not going to be okay. And we know that going forward. This was a comic where about every three pages I went, oh, oh, 
Oh. Yeah. Until the very last page, even. I read 11 and 12 sort of concurrently. And it's funny because when I got to 11, I was like, oh, man, I want to know, I know what happens next. I was like, oh, I can. That <laughs> happened a couple times this week, and I was pretty glad about it. But the whole time I'm reading the, the thing about the heist and the issue before, and they keep going, something smells wrong. I should leave. And I was like, why haven't you learned? <laughs> and it didn't happen, that issue. It happened in the middle, like – Whenever the criminal and I know this is what's supposed to happen. This is like this is like horror movies where, you know, don't go in that room, right. don't pick up that hitchhiker. But every time you read a criminal, like, something's wrong. We should stop this heist. Why does no one do that? <laughs> they need the money. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it, even though we give you the spoiler warning. <sighs> it, 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 the beginning part was was good and fun and, and suspenseful, but it was really all about the time jump. Till later in the second half of the issue where Teague is mourning the loss of his girlfriend, the loss of the life he thought he was going to have, everything that he had been building up previous to this. I love the use of the blank um, speech balloons. That was really good. To showcase someone who was around other people who was not at all taking in what's going on around him. He's so in his own grief that he's not. the world around him is basically empty. Mm-hmm. And then... Things go real bad in the house amongst the family. And it, it, it was just, it was, once you saw it was happening, you were just like, oh, shit. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. Well, I think the one thing that was kind of interesting about that is that, you know, Teague's a shithead. Yeah. Rick, Ricky seems like it, at heart, he's not a bad guy, but, you know, you know he's doomed because you know what happens. Right. And then you get to the part, this bit where he goes in and he's like, I'm going to try to do the right thing. And I thought, that's noble, but that's not the dude, you know, and then everything of sorts goes wrong after that. But it's it's sad in that way that, you know, the story that Brubaker's telling is this, like, you can't escape this generational, you know, mm-hmm. cycle of, of awful. Like, even if he's, Ricky starts out, you know, in a good place, by the time he goes through a life with this person, it's going to end badly. And it did. And then that carries on from there. Right. And that, that really does make this this type of sprawling, you know, epic thoughtful in a way it also really sad um but i liked that bit where you know like there was that was i feel like that was the last time you're gonna see ricky you know try to do the right thing try to be like like, he'll understand like you don't trust anybody after that happens and then just to make it worse his friend comes in and does that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you can't leave a gun on the table and not have it go off but then at the same time the reverse of that is that they talk about how instantly how the other kid's dad is going to cover for him. Yeah. And he does. And he and like it's it's like they're all criminals, but this is, you know, how one of them treats his son versus one of them treats the other. And I thought that was a really nice contrast. It's a lot of blood. But it was. I had that thought. It's like, what happened? Because it looks like it looks like a like a slaughterhouse. It does. As an emotional crescendo to this story, this was top notch. And of course, the top notch art team of Sean and Jacob Phillips. Sean is Brubaker's longtime collaborator, and they have another book coming out called Pulp. Before they return to Criminal, he, he promises, which I think they can't not do. Mm-hmm. It's getting to be kind of like the non-superhero Astro City. It's true. Where these two guys, for the most part, these two guys have been telling these kind of stories for a long time, for 10 years or more. The bit where, you know, at the end of the word shows sort of all the covers of all the work they've done, that's a... That's a lot. Yeah. I wonder what the page count of all that stuff together is. It's got to be getting up there. Right. But they've been telling these kind of stories for 10 years or more. 
and they bounce around in time and they interconnect in some ways but not others some stand on their own some don't some tell a larger narrative and it's very as much is sort of the the non-superhero you know counterpoint to astro city mm-hmm. and it feels like that you know it feels very <laughs> special when it's out and it's great and i know we, we talked about this in a very vague terms i didn't i don't want to spoil although you can probably read between the lines and figure out what happened but it's definitely worth reading you don't have to have read all the criminal stories to enjoy this story all these stories stand on their own even if they do feature characters from the same family throughout different times in their lives it really makes me wonder how planned the whole thing is you know it it feels like it's not without thought but each part feels like an addition being built on rather than part of a bigger plan Mm -hmm. which makes it almost more impressive i don't know i'm totally speculating but it kind of makes it more impressive that he's weaving in between it without breaking what he put on before because i don't get the sense that at the beginning of this he you know built a gigantic roadmap but maybe he did have like you know the families written down i'm sure i'm sure he had an idea I mean, you know, oftentimes with people making films, or whatever they they create backstories for their characters. So I'm yeah. sure, you know, he's been around a long time. He's worked in TV and film and comics for a long time. I'm mm-hmm. sure he had a at least a vague idea of of the main characters' lives. At least yeah. that that could change when you're actually making it. But I'm sure he had some sort of vague idea about it. It does feel different than the way that you think about how like Rucka talks about uh, forever. What's the book? Queen of Country. No, no, the, Lazarus. Lazarus, exactly. Whereas that one, you feel like that shit is planned out. For a billion years, you know, and every tree is all sorted out. Now they just have to do it. This feels a little more improvisational, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, it's only, when it's only one family, you can you can do that as opposed to a giant world with the, the, in the way that in the way that Astro City was. Mm-hmm. Astro City was you know it was kind of all over the place, but at the end it fits together. You know, same. So Criminals done for this current volume. While it was out, it was one of my favorite books. It always is one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. Check it out. They they have really beautiful collections of all the criminal stories, as Josh mentioned. They're shown in the back of this issue, and if you like crime stories, they're they're the, the best crime stories that comics have been putting out in the last ten years. Uh, so I, I would recommend them highly. And this volume was terrific. Even again on its own, you can totally enjoy it. But while we were on break, there were three books that Marvel put out, and all three had number two issues this week. So we're going to talk about all three of them right now. First is Hawkeye Freefall number two, written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Otto Schmidt. All Arrow-based characters go through Otto Schmidt first. Right. Joe Sabino on letters. Wasn't there another artist who jumped from Green Arrow to Archive in the past? Probably. Or vice versa. I feel like there was. Wasn't it Andre? Yeah. I don't know if he did Hawkeye, though. So here we have a new Hawkeye series. This one, I don't know if it's a... I mean, you just talked to Andrew Rosenberg. Is this a miniseries? Is this an ongoing series? No idea. We didn't talk about it at all. Okay. Sorry. I mean, I think it's it's you know it's what Marvel does. Right. It's it's they're not going to tell you, and you know he's probably got a twelve six or twelve issue arc planned out, and then after that you'll see very good chance that after that they move it to creative team or do something, then it'll be a number one again. Just following the, you know, the way it seems to go. The fact that like the Doctor Strange started was like we just did this and Thor. So I mean, who knows? I'd be shocking if it went past twelve. It's not like they're gonna right. You know, Clint is dating the night nurse. Yeah, he is a man about town. In this issue, he has given a lot of money to the feast charity, which is Aunt May's charity from the Spider-Man books. And he's at the gala, getting to walk around like Tony Stark for once with movie Tony Stark there. <laughs> with, with with movie Tony Stark, his facial hair does not match up in a single book that he shows up in, and he shows up in a lot of them. I'm embracing that now. I'm like, do it. So the big mystery in this issue. In this series so far, in the, first, in the two issues, has been who is running around in his old Ronin costume 
causing mayhem and robbing criminals. Yes. And in the first issue, it was hey, it was uh, Falcon and uh, Bucky. Bucky. Those two are going to be together now because they've got a TV show. And also, if you remember, Matt wrote um, that really good Hawkeye and, and uh, Winter Soldier miniseries. Sure. I'm just saying now that they've got a TV show, they're going to be sure. always showing up together. That hasn't been canceled yet. And I'm not even being flippant. I just assume they're all being canceled. <laughs> well, it's Disney Plus. It's not canceled yet. They showed up to be like, hey, why are you robbing everybody? And I was like, really, guys? I agree. I know Hawkeye is like the butt of jokes now. Like they totally murdered his character way back when. And mm-hmm. it was fun for the time. But now he's, the character has been assassinated. But I was doing the math. Isn't he like the number six Avenger? They talk about Google employee number four. Like he's like Avenger number six or seven. Let's see. There was the got first four. Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Wasp, and Ant-Man were the first five. And Captain and then America, Captain America was up. six. And then it was Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. Yep. So he's seven. Mm-hmm. I feel like he should be garnering a slightly bit more respect than he's well, he gets in his books. except they weren't wrong. Well, that was what's revealed in this issue was it was him. He didn't, in fact, sell his building as he claimed to, to get the money to give to Feast. He's been robbing people as as what's his name. So I read the first issue and I liked it and I liked the mystery about it. And I think and so when I got to sort of this one, I thought, well, do I want them to reveal it? You know, so I said, yeah, you know what? Let's figure out who it is and then move on with it. And I don't think I expected it to be Hawkeye. I thought that was good because now we have to figure out how he was in two places at once or whatever. I'm not, I, I don't think the character is completely in the dumps as much as that it's unsalvageable, but this is definitely tainted. Isn't the word influenced, you know, by the, by the Matt fraction version of him, which I, I think is necessary. It's not like it's the movie version. That would be truly horrible, but there, it feels like there is uh, there. You're right. There's this thing where, where he's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty good though. Right. You know? And he has a little swagger in this one, which is actually what I want. I don't and want Luke to be... shows up here and is like, Hey, are you robbing these people? And, and he's like, I mean, you were barely an Avenger. And I was like, dude, you know, Luke Cage didn't become an Avenger until the 2000s. You know, Hawkeye, Hawkeye, Hawkeye was an Avenger, an Avenger in the Avenger. 60s. Like everybody's treating him like he's, he's like an Avenger adjacent. And it's like, yeah. And I, he's not even my favorite character, but I'm starting to feel a real, real defensive about Hawkeye. Uh, you know, I, if I can, if I can stow that, that this is what the new version of him is, then I still, I liked the story. I liked, you know, like I, the bit of the drawing at the end where he takes the mask off and he's like, yeah, this is a problem. Because I, what, one thing that is Hawkeye, Clint uh, gets in over his head. Mm-hmm. He gets in over his head. He, uh, he's overconfident for what he can actually deliver, but what he can deliver is higher than he should be able to do. It's just that he's ahead of that. And so, he, you know, he does have a complex. He's always had a complex, you know, mm-hmm. about that stuff. And this is just a sort of different way of, of going through it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was enjoyable. I was real glad it wasn't a Kate Bishop story. Wait, who's fine. But you know, like whenever you see a book, that says Hawkeye in the front. I'm like, Oh, who's it going to be? You don't even know. Like, right. And there was a joke about that in the X-Men this week about X-23 calling herself Wolverine. Yeah. I mean, putting aside my reservations, this was incredibly fun. Otto Schmidt is terrific. Yeah, absolutely. He can draw and he can tell a story. There's a couple of action sequences here that are just gorgeous. This, I thought the page where Hawkeye's being shot at, but Luke doesn't need to crouch because he's, he's bulletproof and he's standing over him. And mm-hmm. Hawkeye makes him crouch down. And then Luke gets up and throws the manhole cover at the, at the guy and takes him out really quickly. I thought that storytelling sequence was terrific. Yeah, you're right. And it was good. Like, it was also, it was that, but it was also good looking. Yeah. You know? Otto Schmidt, we, we talked about him with, on Green Arrow. He's a, he's a great new find. 
And uh, I'm glad he is getting work like this because it's a relatively high-profile book. And he's got a lot to do here. He's drawing a lot of characters, a lot of action, a lot of fun. I also really like The Hood. Mm-hmm. There's times where he's been overused a bit much, but really of all the sort of new – he's only one of the only new supervillains that's had any sticking power right. for a while. And and even this – it's oddly like – this character is sort of a, a mirror of, of, you know, Hawkeye. Like, people don't take him seriously, and so he's got a lot of bravado about it. But, you know, he's trying to prove himself, too, in a way. So having them in the car together was – I don't know if this was this issue or last issue. But it was good. I really like the bit at the end where the criminal IT guy, like, calls him out. Yeah. It's like you're doing your Christian Bale voice. And <laughs> look at look at him punch this. You punch the same way. You're Hawkeye. And then he took his mouth. I was like, why would you do that? Even, <laughs> But he did it because he makes dumb decisions. Now he has, to, he has to kill the kid. The bit after Luke Cage where he's like, hold on, I'm going to get my arrows. I loved that. Like Luke wants him to come with him. He's like, well, you got to wait a minute. I got to collect all my arrows. He's like, wait, what? And that that was just, you know, it, it's fun. As much as I'm annoyed by the lack of respect and I'm uh, continually annoyed by the costume, which is the the movie influence where he doesn't even wear a mask, which is weird. Uh-huh. You know, he's not Superman. I, I feel like masks are all going away in general. Like, I don't know if that's at, accurate. As it, well, I mean, not, but it's much more common. Like, uh, Captain America, you know, doesn't have a mask on most of the time in comics. He didn't in Avengers at all this week. He had a do rag. It's just a thing that. That's the movie influence. I know. Which is, which is annoying. It's still a lot of fun. If you're a Hawkeye fan, I think it's, it's, a, it's a book to be reading. Yeah. It's entertaining. It's well drawn. It's a good book, you know, and he, you know, he's playing on the playground that he lives in. So that's fine. I have two things to say about Thor number two, written by Donny Cates with art by Nick Klein. One, uh, did you read this? Yeah. Okay. So one is that I really like Donny Cates. We've talked a lot about him. We've we've praised his work. He's mm-hmm. he's so he fits right into that Marvel groove. Yeah. He's starting to feel a little one tricky, where the same characters pop up in everything he writes. It's it's Silver Surfer and it's the Punisher, Ghost Rider, and Galactus. They're in like every book he, he gets to write, they show up in. Yeah, Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. You're not wrong. I don't think that he's the only one who's victim. Like Bendis is famous for doing this. Like every time you turn around, there's, you know, Naomi's at the table or, you know, whoever right. it is. He's sort of his cast of characters that they get to use. And, and um, you're right. I don't think you're wrong about that. My thing with this is that I think. Same. I think it's really good. It's it's really good looking. It I think beautiful. Nick, Nick Klein's terrific. Nick, Nick Klein, I haven't seen him in a little while, but he's really fitting in this with, with great. The sort of Marvel Asgardian dialogue that's in here is really like spot on. I was like, oh, that's some, that's some good old Marvel. But I feel like I've read a thousand Galactus stories in the past two months. Well, that's part of what I mean. It's like he's showing up everywhere. Yeah, he's he is. And everywhere. I, and it's it, he's supposed to be the one who shows up rarely, and when he does, it's a big deal. And it's not a big deal right. when he's everywhere. Like the Joker. The positive thing I'll say is, and I don't believe this is going to stick, although I wish it would, is that in the first issue, Thor needs to become his herald for, for complicated reasons. And Galactus blasts him with his cosmic power to make him a herald, and he suddenly has two arms again and is, doesn't have his beard and has, has the long hairs back. Two eyes. Two eyes, like it, it undid everything from Jason Aaron's run, which I, I think they need to do, because otherwise you're constantly mm-hmm. tethered to this run. His run is great, and it will exist in its bubble, and that's how Marvel designs these things now. Mm-hmm. I, I hope it stays. I, I, my feeling was it won't, but I like that 
it's the cosmic wacky button that Dan Slott told us about years ago in an interview we did with mm-hmm. him. It's literally they they cosmic raid him back into traditional Thor, which I loved. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's that's cool. I don't like Thor as like I don't like the story of Thor as Harold. It's like a perfectly fine comic book pitch. Mm-hmm. You go and you say, dig this. Thor becomes the Herald of Galactus. Wow, you know, and that's true. But I just have too many of those stories, and I, I mean. I, I, no writer wants to do – I don't think they really want to do this. But after all of that stuff that Jason Aaron did, I think it need a little time to ground him. Bring him. It's like you know, it's like the detective comics thing. Like after all the stuff happens, you need a couple of detective comics like Batman on the ground. Do some stories. Yeah, fight, you know. fight some of his supervillains. Yeah. You know, don't spend – don't necessarily spend everything, everything – we talked about this last week. Everything having to be really big and important. Just tell us a solid, yep. solid story. The story – the issue does open with the destruction of the DC Universe. <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah. I was just looking through it. There's a daily planet. Superman flies by. A sun god, a god of emerald light, a god of dark, the god of the oh. ocean, of speed, of yeah, strength. There they are. Yep. Okay. And then they, it dies in the plague that's coming. Well, boy, the, everybody, every one of these people would have like extreme PTSD. Like, like, like if I get too many extra bills in a month, I can't cope. Yeah. These people are, it's like a, a universe ending disaster once a week. Doctor Strange number two, same writer as the last Doctor Strange book, Mark Wade art by kev walker and this book is called dr strange dr usually the name is written out but it's called mm. dr strange because it, they're emphasizing him as the doctor surgeon supreme yeah he's got his hands back he can perform surgeries he's a special consultant for the hospital who, who only does the surgeries that no one else can do mm-hmm. he has an assistant who is like a superhero fanboy who is only allowed to ask him one question a day which is a funny running joke i love that gag and then my favorite bit this, this, there was a second where I thought about making this the pick of the week only because they brought back Dr. Druid. And he used to be the, the running joke we would, we would make for like silly old Avengers. But he was from that era that we loved, that old, that, eight, that late 80s era. He comes back here looking exactly like Brian Azzarello. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of dudes look like that, but you're not wrong. He, looks like, he also looks like Neil Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought this was fun. Then, the, you know, the Wrecker, Wrecking Crew, Thunderball, and, mm-hmm. and Wrecker are back with enhanced... Weapons and I, 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 I mean, I like. I think the Kev Walker art is, is great. Uh, well, I'm a huge Kev Walker fan, and whenever I see him on a book, I get very happy about that. And I, you know, not disappointed here. It's just, just great Kev Walker art. It, like even the way that he drew the little close-ups of the action figure, I thought looked really good. Just well-produced, good book. I liked Wade's take on it before. It kind of went all over the place, but I think that he was very consistent with the character. And I liked, I like the. This is a good like this is a good story idea as far as I'm concerned with it. You know, he's got his hands back and he wants to be a surgeon and you know, you can't have everything you're chasing it, it's gonna go bad. And he's kind of becoming more smug because of it. Like his smugness is returning. Well, as he's is, now he's back to being a surgeon, so he's got that yeah. swagger. He's got that surgeon yep. swagger. I've been reading Doctor Strange for a long time now. <laughs> and that's that's never happened before. And I'm I'm enjoying it. It's not like my favorite book, but you know, it hasn't really been on the chopping block. Like, yeah, I'll quit this. It's incredibly solid. I think Kevin Walker is terrific. Oh, he's he's great. I mean, he's he's. I mean, I don't think he's like a big name, but he's one of those guys that when he comes on to a book, I, I sit up and I take notice because luckily they put him on a lot of books I'm reading. So he has like a little Umberto Ramos in him. Yeah, but not too much. No, just a little bit. It's it's a little more solid, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas Umberto Ramos is a little it's more bendy and bulbous, yeah. you know. Kev Walker's it does, everything just feels like it has a little more weight to it, mm-hmm. but it's still kind of cartoony. It's good. Yep, big fan, big fan. 
Also, big fan of what I got on my on my lower bits. <laughs> you know what I'm saying I don't know where that's this is right. Going. Well, Mac Weldon is our yeah. sponsor for the show this week. I am wearing several items of Mac Weldon below the equator. Well, I, I wore some below the equator last night when I went out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, really? I wanted to feel good. That's right. You know, you want to treat, treat yourself that, special. I was thinking that maybe you wore the Ace or Radiant pant out, and then I thought, oh, oh. he means inner. <laughs> no, no, I've been wearing the Ace and Radiant, especially the um, the sweatpants around the house. Oh, my God. A lot. As the temperature, yeah. as we're in wintertime now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's perfect for wearing around the house. So I do that. And then, um, which one's the travel pant? I always forget the name. The radius. The, the radius. radius is the travel pant. And I, I, I was on a plane 90 minutes ago and I wore them on both ways because they're not wrong. It's a good travel pant. It's, it is. And I, I, I wore them over the holiday. They're great. And also, so I've worn them out, you know, like I'm going to go, go somewhere, but I also need to be a little bit flexible, like with my yeah. legs. So like when I went to like the storage unit. Or I went to the gym. They're mm-hmm. good pants to wear to the gym. Not to exercise in, but to wear to the gym with your gym stuff and back out again because right. it's cold. You can wear them professionally for travel. You can wear them in the gym. You can do work yep. in them. You can go hiking in them. You know what the best part was? Hmm. When I got here, I was standing in the, in the, in the kitchen here. My, my wife was talking to me. She goes, you look taller. And I was like, that's the pants. <laughs> they fit really well. Me. Not, not nope, it's me. definitely. <laughs> I'm definitely. I've added, I've added uh, d- distance. But taller, not right and, taller and thinner. It's, yeah. it's the, the pants are black. Listen, they believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. You know, the website, this one, you know, you'll get through. You'll find what you want. You'll see the options. There's a lot more stuff in there than there than there was when we started this. So uh, you got your pick of colors and sizes and, and different things. I, I also I have my little Mack Weldon travel uh, bag that I keep all my stuff in, my toiletries and things. And I've been using that for a couple of years now. I'm a big fan of these things for sure. They will be Mack Weldon, the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts – undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. By the way, they asked us a long time ago to talk about the pants. They're not even asking us to do it anymore, but we're still going on about the pants. I just, that's... They're really comfortable. Yes. There's a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means that they eliminate odor. Those were also part of the plain stuff today. (laughs) They want you to be comfortable. So if you do not like your first pair of underwear, you keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. I'm telling you, that's not going to happen. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well. It's good for working out. There's sort of different types of things you can get. There's the the, the active stuff that sort of wicks sweat really well for, for working out. And then there's sort of the full range of things you need depending on your activity. But it's also just great for your everyday life. Um, and that's how we roll with it. We Just every day there's a little Mack Weldon in my life for sure. In fact, I think we're getting a little mini cold wave next week in L.A. And I'll probably be wearing the sweatpants around. That's right. It's going to be in the 50s. This wow. is the weather report on my fanboy. That's pretty good. It's going to be down in the 50s, and I'll be wearing my sweatpants. After that, are we going to talk about the route you took and how the traffic was? Uh, we can. I, I can tell you all about yesterday. Okay, if you want. that's good. Yeah, that's good. For 20% off your first order, if you've been thinking about it, let's go ahead and give it a shot. Now, get yourself something nice. Get your, You know what? Treat yourself. Premium wear really is – the problem is it's hard to go back. You're like, oh – these these junky other underwear that I have are, are not cutting it anymore. And and but then you amass your collection, then all of a sudden you're in comfort every single day. That's right. the thing. Get over to backweldon.com, enter the promo code iFanboy, you'll get twenty percent off your first order. And uh, we thank them for coming back to to sponsor the show. We're still big fans. Is Conan done? What's funny is you know, this is a monthly book, so this was basically a year long Conan story, but it felt like five years because every other book comes out every other week. So sure. the month the monthly books if they feel like they're why is this book so slow? Comics mm. have destroyed us. 
And yes. that's just going on the list of grievances. But <laughs> um, wait, this is like generally destroyed us. <laughs> well, just our brains. We used to yeah. think one way, and now we think a monthly book is a slow book. Yeah, it is hard to remember what happened, and all the other ones come out in between. Or age. Conan is continuing on with Jim Zub. Yeah, and an Italian, <laughs> an Italian on our Roger Antonio. And then Aaron and Osra are coming back later in the year for a second Conan book. King Conan. King Conan. So, like, continuing the story here of old Conan with his son. Did we know about Conan the Second before now? I don't think he showed up in the book. I don't think so, because of that. He showed up, and then I got I was very confused for a minute, and then I had to go back. How do you feel about? And I I, I like this book. I've enjoyed it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, it's sort of nagged at me how do you feel about conan as basically indestructible superhero that's what he is he's just like isagi ojimbo i know but it just feels like no matter what giant demon or monster they throw at him or how many times he gets stabbed in the heart like i i like him as like the the baddest badass sword fighter in the world but it just seems like this storyline has gone so over the top to show how he's unbeatable and can't die i think that it's one of those flexible things I keep comparing everything to Batman, and I'm sorry. But you can do lots of different types of Batman characters. Sometimes they make him too undefeatable for a while, and then they go back the other way. I feel like I've read all kinds of Conan stories where the thing is, in the end, you know that they will, like... I mean, no, he's the character. He's not going to die, but it just feels like he gets stabbed twice in the chest here. And it's just like, well, Conan will never die. It's like, well, then why am I reading this? There has to be at least an illusion of danger. I know in the back of my mind, none of these people are going to die. They're all fictional characters, and they're all the main characters of yeah. the stories. But there's got to be the illusion of him you know, being a real a man and not, not an immortal sword god. I think that's one of the reasons that I never tend to stick with Conan for that long, because you'd sort of do it a couple times, and you go, oh, okay, I got, I got my taste of those kind of stories. But they all tend to sort of feel the same after a while. I hope Jim Zub gives him gout in the next, in the next arc. Just something, nor- just something like Conan has the flu. Well, he's got a kid, so that's a problem. <laughs> but even if he has the flu, he still goes out and fights and drinks and does this stuff. And I'm just he's just an unstoppable force. That's the way that I always kind of think of him. I feel like with his diet, he would get gout. I don't really know what gout is. Oh, it's you don't want it. It's like the joints <laughs> you I mean, I know, I know that. I just don't know exactly what it is. I just know people talk about it. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah that's terrible, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, like, it, the name doesn't make <laughs> it sound like it Sounds like pleasant. it's a medieval disease or something you'd get in the trenches. The real story here is um, Mahmoud Azrar, yeah. like, is ascendant. Yeah. I've known his work for a long time since he was on that book, An Image, a really long time ago, where Jay Ferber was writing it. I don't remember what the book was called. And I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Dynamo 5? Huh? Wasn't Dynamo yeah. 5? That was it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. He was the guy on that. And that was sort of, he came from obscurity, a Turkish artist. I think he lives in Austria now. You know, and and you got to watch his archipelago. He goes over to X Men pretty quickly, and yeah. and I was like, oh, this looks pretty good. I didn't want to read the X Men book, but I, I went there for that. And now you've got this point when it's just like, this is great. And Matthew like, Wilson in colors doesn't hurt. No, not at all. And that 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 certainly helps. But just overall, perfect art for this book. Mm-hmm. You know, and and epic enough and good enough and a good match for you know a name like Jason Aaron on the front. And and the other guy they had on the alternate issues uh, was really good too. But but you know this to me was. It was Mahmoud Asrar's, you know, really just showing everything he's got. And it was, it was really beautiful. And also just sort of classic, you know, 70s Conan style too at the same time, but but in a, in a modern modern way. Yeah. There were some guest artists on the way and they were all really terrific. 
Yeah. Especially that one guy whose name I don't remember, but who was really good. But this was yep. his book, and this was, I mean, it was mostly him drawing it, and it was great. Yep, 100%. And that was the story of this book, and that's why I would keep reading it. And honestly, not really so much for the story, but I never read Conan stories for the story. That's just a thing. Detective Comics Annual number 3 shows that with Alfred gone, Bruce turns into me when I'm left alone for a couple of weeks. There's just that the manner's dirty. He does, he's not eating anything. He doesn't know where anything is. Alex Robinson and I used to call that the madness. Like if your if your wife or family goes away, you're left in the home, then you will. And it's not like the it's not like the man like stereotype that he does not you don't know how to do anything or whatever. It's just that you don't. There's no guardrails. There's none. And and all you look up is like it seems to be 11 p.m. <laughs> and I've done nothing. Right. Like I, I have not washed myself. I have no, but with nobody telling me what to do, I will do nothing. The madness. Go ahead. Sorry. That is being contrasted with a flashback story of Alfred as a young MI6 agent, which are always those are always fun stories. But in the in the, sure. in the present day, his old partner shows up at Wayne Manor, and then they have a little adventure together. I mean, it's, it's this nice little story with really solid art from Sumit Kamir, artist I don't know, but really solid work. You know, when Alfred was killed, we didn't talk about it at the show. People got mad, but that's because we didn't believe it was. I should mention also there's an Eduardo Riso backup story, which was also good looking. We didn't talk about it because neither one of us thought it was like a real thing. We thought it was a feint. And then it turned out to be a real thing. And I was trying to figure out why. Then I realized with the rumors that they're aging up all the characters, then they, they're putting Bruce into the Alfred role, then that would preclude the need for Alfred. So that's, I yeah. guess that's why they did it, which is kind of bullshit. But it's all kind of bullshit. It's all going to go away. It's all bullshit. Superman's going to get his underwear back on the outside. Everything will be fine. He might take back. a decade. I know. That's what I mean. They took him away. You wait a little while, they come back. You know, it'll be fine. This is just the now. You're really into these the end stories. I'm really enjoying them. I, I, I picked up uh, Captain Marvel, the end, number one, a story by Kelly Thompson, pencils by Carmen Carnero. Really good-looking book, by the mm-hmm. way. Colors by David Curiel. I had just read uh, the Captain America book. Uh, we're not talking about it, but I'd read the Captain America book before I read this one, and I spent the whole time going, this is not good art. And I was and I was... And I was talking to you guys about it, and then I read this, and I was like, no, this is good art. And I don't know who this person is, but it was definitely a tonic for what had come before it. Basically, in this story, these are all one-issue, one-shots about the sort of end, the death of The fantasy story of these characters' last story. And as such, it is disconnected. It's an Elseworlds. And so they can just tell a story that is about that character and how they would, you know, be noble in their death because they're superheroes. So uh, basically some shit on Earth went down and everything is is, like everything on Earth died. But there's one little pocket of people, uh, you know, of superheroes and also superheroes' kids. Mm. And so Carol gets a distress message and says to come back. And then she gets another one that says it's too late. And Earth's basically all encrusted with ice. It's too cold for anybody to live. There's radiation anywhere. But in the middle of it is uh, this little enclave of Emma Frost is still alive. And Jerry, who is Spider-Woman's son, is all grown up and, you know, kind of has. And then you have Rogue and Gambit's daughter is there, who also goes by Rogue. Oh, and Luke Cage and, and Jessica Jones's daughter is there, too. And, you know, Carol's got a whole, you know, she's one of the old guard and she feels like she let them all down. And basically she decides to go reignite the sun or, or like charge it up so that everybody can live and sacrifices herself. The best part of this is that Jessica Drew sort of comes out and she's old and, you know, Carol looks the same and, and they have a little conversation. It's just their friendship and their, their friendship is actually been really one of the really good character things that's happened in the last 
decade or so. I think of uh, Dennis Hopeless's or Dennis Hallam's now run on Spider Woman, where you know Carol's the one who shows up, you know, and she was pregnant in that thing. And I just it was it was a nice story. And like when she dies, she goes in the sun. She's she's smiling. It's mm-hmm. it's a little like it's a little Superman-y, and and in a, but in a way that fit. It was good. I, I just enjoyed it, and I've liked a lot of these. Nice bit of synergy coming out the week of the, the videos of the sun that they took. From, you know, well, there you go. Yeah. Good job, Marvel. <laughs> Farmhand 13, Rob Guillory's image book with Jeremy Treese and Cody Chamberlain. How are you feeling about Farmhand 13 issues in? I kind of had not forgotten about it, but didn't really have one feeling one way or another. And then I read 12 and 13, and I really thought the last two have been picking up in a sense that it feels like we're headed towards a thing. We've got the world established and now some of the conflicts, like the thing with the dad, how he won't say anything. Like, I feel like we're going to start to get past that. I think we're, we're establishing who the bad guys are and it feels like it's picking up speed. I think that's true. Of the last couple of issues, it needs to start getting towards something. And yeah. And it, and it is. The world is fun. The characters are interesting. You know, he's, he writes funny scenes mm-hmm. and the art's good, but like it needs to start, heading in a direction that's like oh okay here so this is what's happening because and i did i did feel like that's what's happening and i and again i read the two back to back and when i got to the end of 12 i was like oh i want to go right to 13 and it was it was exciting to be able to do that mm-hmm. you know not in the sense of Ugh, i got another one to read but i was like i want to know what happens next right. and i really felt like that and there was other times in this where i just thought I'm, rob's not a bad writer like it was from the beginning no. i was like oh he's actually pretty good at this he's better now like there really is a lot of plot and character stuff going on here he's juggling a lot of story and it's pretty clear. I don't feel very lost at this point, which I think is really gets a strength. So, you know, I don't think it's the best book in the world, and I don't think it should go on interminably. But I felt like there was some good momentum in the last couple. I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know what his plan is here. Pretty sure it's TV development, Connor. It's a quarter of, yeah, it's a quarter of the way through the run, of, almost a quarter of the way to run through of the run of Chew. So I don't know what his length is. I don't remember. He may have talked about it a while ago, but it was it was a while ago, so you never know. Those books we're going to talk about. It was a light week, not a lot, not a lot of books. But if you're a patriot, if you're a patriot, patron, if you're a patron, I, listen, I listened to another podcast this week where they called them patrons. No one knows what to say. It's patrons. I know, but the website's called Patreon, so people say it's it's it is what it is. Well, the Patreon, the patrons over at Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. If you're a patron, you get to vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, keeping with the weirdness of the week, there was a, it was a like a five way horse race, and it wasn't really decided until the very end and the winner was frankenstein undone number one from dark horse comics written by mike mcnola and scott alley drawn by ben stenbeck with colors by brennan wagner and letters by clem robbins our favorite letterer name Woo! and uh, this is another book in the hellboy world focusing on frankenstein it seems like it's a sequel to the novel i i didn't know i didn't the, i don't know enough about the the world of hellboy to know if this is a character who's been in it before or not I don't think it's a Hellboy thing. I think it's its own thing. Or is it a Hellboy it thing? It says on the cover of the World of Hellboy in the top. Oh, well, there you go. Was he part of the BPRD at some point, maybe? That's what I don't know. I don't know enough about that. I just know this seems like... Because he spends this issue flashing back to the murders he he, he does in the book, uh-huh. in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Right. So I don't know if this is like a direct sequel to that or how or what that means. I just took it as a, I took it as a sort of a takeoff from that point. I didn't really worry about it. I just I just yeah. was curious. It's really a very self-contained story about Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein's a monster, but in this issue, someone says, "Don't you take the name of your father traditionally?" So he calls himself Frankenstein. So now he's Frankenstein. Yeah. And now we never have to talk about that again. So Frankenstein is on his own in the Arctic, runs into a 
family of polar bears who take him in. He's not alive, so they don't want to eat him. They smell him, and he's dead flesh, which I thought was was a nice little thing. And then uh, they run into like a yeti type creature who kills one of the baby polar bears for food. And he and then there's a whole like Luke Skywalker getting taken by the wampa situation. <laughs> it turns out that the yeti is a little man who can turn into a yeti. And there's a whole village of them. And I mean, I thought it was interesting. I like I didn't dislike it at all. I I, I had it was self-contained. The art was good. Ben Stenbeck is great. He did that. I, I first sort of got to know him on the Baltimore stuff he was doing with Vignola. Really, so it looked great all the way through, obviously. What did you think of this? It was kind of boring. <laughs> I, I mean, that in the like, at this point, I've read a lot of these little spinoffs that they just keep sort of dipping into the world, and it feels like it's just the same thing over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Scott Alley is all that interesting of a writer, and I don't think Mike Mignola is all that involved. I'm sure like it's, it's the plot. just they're just doing this dance, you know. And the books always look good, and they have that same sort of creepy feeling. But like it was, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. It wasn't. Listen, I'm just saying the final panel shot of the sad polar bear and the sad cub walking away was sad. It was, you know, and, and like there's like lots of little good moments in it, but I don't think it adds up to anything. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just like it. It feels like they keep going back this world of Hellboy, but it really feels like they're just spinning around in circles. Like we're gonna play this song again, feed the beast, and it, and it was a great song, but it's not compelling at all anymore. It, you know, beautiful book, also not colored by Dave Stewart. As That's, we mentioned, as we noticed last time with the uh, yeah, that Hellboy special they had, like, because maybe Dave Stewart was like. Maybe we should stop, guys. <laughs> you know, it's it's just like it's like they've been touring on this album for twenty five years. And the guy with all the awards is like, I gotta go. <laughs> so this is the second Hellboy related book we've had in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Let's do the ratings on it. Ratings. Ratings. Frankenstein Undone number one. I'm gonna give it a three because I did like the way it looked and I did enjoy reading it, but I didn't love it. I'm also going to give it a three. Are you gonna stick with it? Nope. I don't think I am. Nope. I don't think I I'm am. not in, I'm like anytime there's a Frankenstein character in, in comics, they've done it in, you know, DC show. Like I just I don't eh, eh. enough. <laughs> I don't it's not I'm not into it. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can go. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. Thank you for voting. And I'll if you give the five dollar or higher level there, you get your own superpower live in the show. And I I checked the list today as I was making the script. I was like, oh, we are close to the end. Mm-hmm. Like you said that last time, but I hadn't really looked. We are very close. Oh yeah, no, it was it was sort of shocking. So yeah, and then but then there's a good number of people we have to backtrack and give to. So it's gonna be it's still gonna be around for a while. We do like doing it. Mm-hmm. So we'll give our first thanks and power to Jason Cruz. Jason is a human star maps. Okay, so he knows where they all live. He knows where all the stars live. Do you think that if he runs into like Brad Pitt like at, at the Jamba Juice? Or whatever the thing is now, and he's like, "I like what you do with the driveway." The thing is, like, the thing about Jason is he's a, he's a good guy. He's not going to exploit this information. He knows how to keep it cool. He's a, he's he's he is cool. I was thinking he wasn't exploiting it. It's just that he. No, no he I know, just, but he's not going to be like. He's not going to take advantage of this power. He just he happens just, to know where the stars live. Okay. What does does he use that for anything? No, he just knows. He can point it out to you. All right. Okay. I mean, someone said, "Oh, do you know where?" Uh, Bob Saget lives. <laughs> that was literally the first celebrity name that popped in my head. And I don't know what that means. 
But he goes, yeah, I can tell you where Bob Saget lives. He goes, I mean, that's a good question. I feel like Saget made a ton of money on he Full did. House. And on America's Funniest Some Videos. Oh, God. No, he's got it. So I was going to put him sort of mid, like between like hills and valley, like in that area. He could be any, maybe, it could literally be anywhere. It could be Malibu. It could be Brentwood. It could be Beverly Hills. I, like he's not, I don't know what kind of guy he is. I feel like he's not a Malibu guy. He could be a, he, he could be a smoke weed overlooking the ocean kind of guy. I don't know. He's a, he's a funny guy. Well, then there's a good chance his house isn't there anymore. That's true. It's doomed. Anyway, Jason Cruz is a human star mess. Okay. Brandon Lawrence, provided he's actually not doing anything wrong, is never stopped by security in any way. There's it's never not, any. It's not that he's the world's best bank robber. No. No. No one ever. He gets no random checks. No, he just whatever it is, he sort of, he skates through all types of security because he he's clean and they just people just know it about him. Now, if he did try to abuse that, you get caught immediately. But nice. but as long as he's not doing anything wrong, he's never delayed by any of that. So like, you ever you know, <laughs> they still do the like uh, like the I'm guessing they do like the highway immigrant checks. Uh huh. You know, like he's he goes right through those. I see. He goes into Canada with no problem. He can fly into other countries, and, and they just they sort of wave him through the line. He's fine. No, don't we have to worry about you, sir. So according to this website, Virtual Globetrotting, uh-huh. Bob Saget, according to public records, has a house in the hills near the Getty Center. Okay. So over Sepulveda. Yeah, off, off of Bundy, looks like. Okay. So he's in, it's, it's kind of almost Brentwood? Well, no, it's up in the hills. Mm-hmm. What's that called? I don't know what neighborhood this is. Uh, so whatever the next the Getty is, Crestwood Hills, okay, Brentwood Heights. It's yeah. like above. He's like above Brentwood. Okay. He's like if you took the if you took Bun- everyone loves this conversation. If you took Bundy through Brentwood and kept going mm-hmm. into the next neighborhood before you actually hit like the wilderness. Do you think it's a nice house or it was a really nice house fifteen years ago? Sixty six hundred square feet. That's not nothing. Wow, I can I can hear the sound of people clicking off. Let's let's really dive in then. Steve Howell always has enough pockets. <laughs> okay. He's never like got stuff in his hands going you know, that making that you know doing that dance where you're like you're like looking under your arms, like where do I put this stuff? Mm-hmm. He's always got enough pockets for whatever he's got going on. Okay, cool. Steve, can you hold this anvil? Yes. <laughs> Plunk. Yeah, a pocket appears on the side of his pants and he puts it in. Okay. Okay. Jason McKean can always tell if it's worth meeting a person from Craigslist or Facebook uh, uh, classified ads. Oh, oh. He is Craigslist Spidey Sense. Yeah, so there's no like creepy guy. There's no bait and switch. There's no. This guy's going to try to haggle you down to nothing. Yeah, or there was the lady who wouldn't leave my house and kept walking around offering to buy things there that were outside of what we had already talked about. <laughs> How about the kids? What much for the kids? This was before kids. I've just <laughs> never forgotten it. Like she was like, "What about the DVD player?" I was like, "That's my DVD player." <laughs> How about those pants? Be twenty-five you're for it. I'm wearing the pants. Yeah, that's funny. It wasn't good. Was that in Queens? L.A. It was in uh, North oh. Hollywood. Oh, wow. That's yeah. terrific. That's a great sketch. <laughs> it, I lived it. <laughs> All right. So Jason, Brandon, Steve, and Jason, thank you for being patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. As I said, we're 
We're nearing the end of the list of people before we extend the list. So if you want to get your power, you still have got time to do so. And in the future, we'll just wait till we get a couple of new people and we'll do it again. As we said, patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can go help the show. Those who help uh, the show directly go there. We do thank them. They're, they are amongst our favorite people. They get many uh, perks, include not just the patron thanks and the voting on the patron pick, but they have the monthly hangouts. We did one this past weekend. We're actually doing the February one next week. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. It's a lot of fun. So patreon.com slash fanboy. Our next stretch goal is a monthly non-comics media podcast and also uploading all the missing full-length video and mini shows to our YouTube channel. And the other day I wanted to, I wanted to find one of those shows to embed it somewhere. And then I was like, oh, it's 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 not on there. That's a bummer. Oh. So patreon.com slash fanboy. So you can help us reach that goal. Fanboy.threadless.com, our seven t-shirt designs. Our fanboy logo, her and pick the podcast ratings. One is Electro, GDAT. Nothing makes sense, nothing matters. And I have news... We have two preliminary shirt design ideas in the works at the moment. Two. You got to stop talking about this before there's anything concrete. You just, you just get yourself into trouble. We have. You're I'm like, saying you're like you're like one of those people in criminal who doesn't leave when the job starts going bad. Well, there's a lot of guards with guns around here. Big guns. Look for those coming soon. All right. Family.com/support helps out directly via PayPal. If you want to do that, we do thank you. If you have a couple extra bucks as, as tax season comes around and then I found slash Amazon. That's where you can buy the books that we talk about via Booksplode and also a general Amazon link. We thank everyone who goes to any of those places and helps support the show. You keep the show running without you. There would be no show. And we thank you all who do that. And look, we have listener email time. We actually have time for some. There we go. Look at us. I'm guessing. I'll read the first one. Yeah. Rashad B says, do you not like Damien because he's a shite character or because since he showed up, people have been doing their version of a Grant Morrison character, which means a bunch of writers just doing bad Grant Morrison instead of a bunch of writers writing Damien? Harley Quinn at the Justice League table. Do villains not have to do jail time for previous crimes because they're, quote, good now and, quote, feel bad for murdering massive amounts of people? Even if she's turned into New Leaf, she'd still be in jail, not working with the Justice League. How do superheroes justify not putting known criminals in jail? She got an Amanda Waller plea deal that we don't know about. So there's two questions. First one's – second one's faster, I think. Do you want to do that? Well, the answer is it's bullshit. And we talked about it last week, and you're right. I mean that's <laughs> clearly what, we're talk- what we talked about in the last week's discussion of that double page spread is that she shouldn't be there smiling in the front row. Other than she got a fucking movie coming out. But I don't care what she's – she's a bad guy. I am not on board with this Harley Quinn as good guy movement. I'm not. Mm-hmm. She's a great villain because she lives in that middle ground where she's yeah. not a complete psychopath like the Joker, but she's still a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she'll occasionally do the right thing, but she still always returns to crime. I think they makes a good point about like you're, you don't, you're not absolved of it. There's no statute limitations for murder. I don't – can I make a, a return of Skywalker – can I talk about that yet? Rise of Skywalker, yeah. Yeah, Rise. There you go. I mean, like, you know, the one guy had to go. You can't, like, you yeah, can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the person at the end can, who died, yes, absolutely. You can, you can, you can. Uh, they can redeem themselves at the end, but that doesn't yes. mean they, they're going to. We talk, I think we talked about it on the podcast. It wasn't like they could go forward with him, like, as a buddy on the right. on the Exactly. On the, on the, you on the can. Once, once you've done the mass murder, you're, you're not absolved. There's no, you gotta you gotta do your your crime for it, which is the opposite side of the you know the Captain America story is that you know he didn't do it, but everybody thinks he did, and so that's his problem. And the real answer is it's whatever the fucking writers and editors want, which I think we should now start calling cosmic wackiness. Right. 
That's what we'll just call it across the board, even though it's not necessarily cosmic in this instance. Right. They, they will just let everyone forget about the murderer sitting at the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Damien. Damien. He makes an interesting point, mm-hmm. which I haven't thought about before, which is we've, we have talked about in the past that Grant Morrison was the best writer at, for writing Damien. He, he not only told the most interesting stories, but he had the best, most specific voice for him. And there's a couple of writers that got real close, but no one ever got quite there. And so when you have a character so tied to a specific kind of writing style, maybe people are trying to emulate that style to less success. I don't know. That could be a reason. But also, and I feel like we've talked about this before, but I'll just talk about it again. In the beginning, it was interesting and fun, like Superman revealing his identity. But then once you really thought about the repercussions of Batman having a biological son, it really sort of unraveled Batman as we knew him. Mm -hmm. You know, you suddenly have this family of... And I'm not at all denigrating non-biological kids, but a hierarchy presents itself. And the hierarchy was that Damien was put up above all these other characters who had been around for decades. Mm-hmm. And you can't just kill Damien, even though they tried, because, again, he's a, he is Bruce's biological son, and, the, and that becomes a whole issue, mm-hmm. as opposed to the uh, street-tough kid that he took off the street who died being Robin. It's sad, but it's different. And so now you're stuck with the situation, and no one really likes him. And it, it's he's presented as a jerk. He never really has. He hasn't grown. He hasn't shown any any worth. And again, you're talking about most people reading his books who are fans of other people who wore that outfit, and uh, and are wondering, you know, then you've got Tim Drake running around calling himself Drake wearing a brown costume. It's all a mess. That's why he, that's the problem he presented himself to be. He, he unraveled the whole Batman family. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that's part of it, but I, I think even the, I, the only person I think who's started to get it right, I think that Bendis did a pretty good job with him when he interacts with John. Yeah. Because he drops the facade and actually gives it a character because he's, he's too much of a, a front. I mean, clearly, like, his whole thing is a front, you know. It's posture. It's posturing, exactly. And that gets boring. And that it's gets been like, old. Like, it's been like how many years? years? I mean, a lot. Yeah. It's been a lot of years since the, the Batman and Robin series started. And you don't want these guys to age, but a snotty 13-year-old who thinks that he does everything right, there's only so far you're going to take that. And It's also a an, one-note joke that's been going on for 10 years. Exactly. And I think that's what makes the, the Bendis stuff interesting is that like he has, shows a different side of this to John because, you know, it just works better. They're, they're peers. They like each other. It's, you, uh, you, you need something to make him redeemable. And I, then I think the other problem is I don't think it was people trying to write like Grant Morrison. I just think people couldn't make it that interesting. I think, I think they're trying to write the attitude that Grant Morrison mm-hmm. gave him that was sort of endearing in the beginning. That would be what I think people maybe are trying to emulate. I, I don't know that he's ro- right yeah. or wrong. I just haven't thought about this, and I need to think about it some more. I need, I need to spend a good couple hours thinking about it. But, for, I mean, it's almost like I can't explain why, but I can understand that pretty much every time he showed up, it was annoying. Actually, he was good in, in – I was talking about him with John, but he, he was actually kind of good in Event Leviathan, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, again. Like, I know, but, uh, like – I think Tomasi, you know, did a lot of stories for a long time. And every time I read his Damien, I was like, oh, that's terrible. And, and otherwise, you know, perfectly fine stories, you know. It's just from a story point of view, from a character point of view, the father's going to favor the son. 
Yes. And then he used to have this whole ex- extended family that is now basically gone. They're there, but it's not the same. And they keep killing uh, Alfred, so he doesn't yeah. have any other family. <laughs> so that's what's that's that's what's annoying for me about him. Uh-huh. Let's slip in one more. Kenneth J. from the Great White North. Hello. Canada. He says, who has the better rogues gallery, eh? Spider-Man or Batman? I- Tell me what to think because thinking is hard. Thinking is hard. You didn't think about it long enough. Especially since we're doing this late. Uh-huh. As opposed to early. This is an easy one's Batman. Come on. Uh, I mean... There's, there are great rogues galleries, but when you're talking about rogues galleries, the discussion is for who has the second best rogues gallery. That's the discussion. Well, I, I feel like... I mean... So you're saying there's no discussion about it. There's no discussion. It Batman has the best rogues gallery. Period. And then the question is, who has the second best rogues gallery? Is it Spider-Man? Is it The Flash? Is it... Superman, that's the question. Spider-Man definitely has the best rogues gallery at Marvel. at Marvel. Yeah. For sure. But you're a big Batman fan. If maybe somebody's a big Spider-Man fan. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and does that have does the, the fact that it's best have anything to do with that it had like twice as long to build it as Spider-Man? Twice did? as long. It had it had twenty five more years, but that's not twice as long. Okay, well I'm not be able to be honest about what year it is to myself. So. Because it works like this. There's 25 years between the Golden Age and the Silver Year and the Silver Age, and it's been 25 years since then for all time. So, look, <laughs> in my I'm, mind. I'm not denigrating Spider Man. He's got a great rose gallery, especially those classic villains. He's a solid number two. He is number two, though. Yeah. Like overall? Yeah, yeah, overall. Superman doesn't have a great rose gallery. Well, it depends on who you put in it. Do you put, like, Darkseid and the New Gods in it? Mm hmm. It's hard to say because his villain has been Lex Luthor for every single issue since <laughs> for fucking for 15 years. Well, at least for at least for a couple of years. Yeah. You got Lex Luthor, you got Parasite, you've got Zod, you have Toy Man, Mr. Mixie's Pitalik. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. And then if you put Darkseid and the, and the Apocalypse people in, Metallo. Mm-hmm. There it's it's a solid one. I don't know that's it's it's not in the discussion of best, but it's it's a solid one. Mm-hmm. All right. Flash's Rogues, obviously, is, is up there. It's good. It's not my favorite, but I recognize its quality. Mm-hmm. Kenneth J. and Rashad, thanks for writing to contact.fanboy.com. Your questions. questions were good. Yeah. And they made us think. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. most important thing. I think except for Connor, who was already entrenched in his own ideology. <laughs> I have dug in. <laughs> I mean, that's A, that's your move, but B, that was in a corner where you had no choice, so it's fine. <laughs> Spider-Man's great. It's true. Comics are good. I did the Talksplode for December on the very second to last day of January. So I, I fulfilled my obligation as this is not a library or a credit card institution. There are no late fees. Right. Uh, but I did a conversation about an hour with uh, Matthew Rosenberg, um, Marvel writer. I think that's pretty much what he's doing now, although there may be some, some things coming up in the is future. Did he change his Twitter handle? No, he's not going to change Ashcan Press. But he did tell me what it was and how it's not really a thing. Okay. So that's in there. I liked him a lot. It's funny because he's a guy who I've actually kind of known for a while. Like since way before I thought he would become a comic well, we would run into him when pro. he was a press guy yeah. at, for Ashcan Press yeah. at Comic-Con. So we would sort of bump into him there and say, hey, you want to interview my indie writer that no one's heard of? No. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, thanks to nice. the Wu-Tang and RZA. <laughs> 
But I know he's friends with Ron. <laughs> My first question is like, are you also from Long Island? He's like, no, but everybody who knows Ron, they all think they're from Long Island. And I was like, yeah, that's true. It was a really good conversation. I learned a lot about him. He had a really interesting story. I mean, he took a lot of risks to get to where he is, and it worked out. And really, he does – he just – he just, I, I, you know, we talked about it. I was like, I can't pin you down. I can't say, oh, you do these kinds of characters. You're all over the place. And we talked about that. And we even talked about that as a professional strategy. Um, and I haven't read all the books, but he's astonishing X-Men for a while. So he can do funny, but he can also do some of that. He's the great uh, – you know, Bucky – we just talked about it, the Marvel 2 and one with uh, Bucky and, Ka- and Hawkeye. Yep. Anyway, so it was a good conversation. I enjoyed it. Um, if you like my conversations with comic book creators, you should definitely go check it out. I'm, I'm proud of it like I am the others. And I have a new one coming up. You have it booked. Yeah, I have it booked. So um, How that another, feel? feels good. But I've had it booked before. So, <laughs> you know. Booksload is the next thing that we owe you uh, for January. We're going to fudge with the schedule, I think, a little bit to make it so this doesn't happen quite the same way. Yeah, this happens every year where we get screwed because Josh can't book anybody in December because nobody wants to take time out of their holidays. To- so we might switch the months so that you get a booksload in December and a talksload. Eh, we're we're, we're going to do it on the fly. It may, get, it may get messy until... You'll get your requisite six of each per year, though. That's what we promise. 2021, it'll straighten itself out. So Booksplode that's coming up next soon. Soon. So this best I'm going to tell you uh, is Batman by Neil Adams, book three. Why book three? Because old Batman stories don't really need to be in a continuity. It's fine. And it's Batman drawn by Neil Adams. That's kind of fun that way. Yes, exactly. And I think that that, that is just read book three. It's fine. This is the this is the, the good stuff. This is when you know a lot of things were established for Batman. And we're going to talk about that soon. Soon. Patron Hangout. Yes. we have, As I mentioned before, we do an hour a month with our patrons. And we just did the January one last weekend. And then we realized that if we wanted to do our traditional pre-Oscars hangout where we go through the Oscar picks and make our picks and pe- we talk about movies, we'd have to do it this coming week because they moved the Oscars up a month this year. So we had a vote. We put it to the patrons to pick which day, that either February 7th or today. It was going to be today during the Super Bowl or February 7th, and they voted for the 7th. So this coming Friday is, is when we're doing the hangout for February. So if you are a patron or you want to join up before we do that, Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Also, as I mentioned before, and I'll keep mentioning it until the awards close, the Tripwire Awards are now open. You can uh, vote. Anyone can vote on on them. There'll be a link in the show notes for you to go and vote. And uh, there's a book I worked on that's nominated called Bill Sienkiewicz Revolution Volume 1. It's an art book. Worked very hard on that. It's it's in the best collection category. And if you consider voting for it, obviously, you can vote for whatever you want. But if you consider it, that'd be be great. It's a terrific, beautiful art book. It's got a great introduction by Neil Gaiman. It was a fun project. So please consider voting for the Tripwire Awards, Bill Sienkiewicz Revolution Volume 1 in the Best Collection category. Thank you. Get over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts there. You can find the Talksplodes and the Booksplodes. If you're curious, and don't, they're under the special editions part of the podcast section. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our movie reviews and TV reviews and the DC animated stuff and interviews, all that stuff is in there, special editions. Oh, there's going to be an animated show soon, too. Oh, Superman Red Sun. I just don't know when. I think in the, uh, I think March. You can find out where the pick of the week is before the show comes out by um, checking facebook.com slash iFanboy, which you could like, and following at iFanboy on Twitter, and also over at iFanboy Comics on Instagram, where you will get that. You'll get some other stuff. You'll get some panels of the week. We're there, too, because it turns out that that's a visual thing, and comics is a visual art form. And we were like, oh, maybe we should, we should use that. Yeah, there you go. So if you like the show, please consider leaving a review for us on Apple Podcasts or Star Rating. And if you're a new listener, please consider subscribing to the show. We do appreciate that. Uh, any podcast you listen to, it's a great way to help any show that you're a fan of. I do it for the shows I listen to. 
it's an easy way to help the show that you like. So please consider doing that. Oh, even better than that is word of mouth. There was a conversation about the best comics podcast on Twitter this week, and we came up quite a bit in it. So we thank everyone who did, who suggested us and spread the word, and that's a great way also to help people find the show. We thank anyone who does that whenever the question arises, which seems to do quite regularly because people are still discovering podcasts. They're still discovering comics podcasts. Thank you, everyone who does that, and we are done. I thought I didn't. Ch- I haven't checked the clock, and and I thought, well, maybe we're under time. No, we're still the same. Well, we are over, but. By less than we think, because we were fucking around before we started recording, and I was recording. The no one needs to know about this, but there's like five minutes of pre-show fucking around on the right. recording. So, which puts us at, at what we're at, which is fine. It's just what it's just what it is. Yeah. It's a good show. It's fun. I had fun talking to you. I like that neither of us seem to be dying during it. You're just inside slowly. Well, I mean that's a that's a give. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people say I'm the dark one, and I just I just want to point it not. Not just me. I used to be robust, healthy, <laughs> vigor, and vim. I like to point out that my brother got me a cane for Christmas. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was kind of a joke, but kind of not. But you were like, well, let me hang on to that. It's kind of awesome. I definitely hang on. This is my bedroom right now. In case I need it. <laughs> also, if in case there are uh, scalawags or... Uh, <laughs> That's true. It's great thugs. for banging on doors, and also you can whack someone. If you whack someone with it, it, it is... Um, it's very heavy at the top. Well, what I like is the idea of if someone gets sassy with you, yeah. and you're not trying to hurt them, but you do pop them on the forehead. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you, boy? Boom. Yeah, or whack him in the knee. Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. It's all, it's all purpose. Anyway, we're done. Talk to you next week. That was fun. Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Josh Biden.